0: Welcome to the Creative Condition Podcast, the show where I, Ben Talon, illustrator and writer invite people from the creative industry and far beyond to share their story of creativity. Both the nature and the nurture, the chaos and the calm. Creativity is a fundamental pillar of human happiness, something I'm increasingly fascinated by and so often misunderstood. So little by little, I hope to build an archive of fascinating stories experiences and tips to help you maximize yours the show is supported by illustration x go and take a look at their incredible global range of illustration and animation portfolios now at illustrationx.com if you like the music for the show go and listen to dirty freud over on spotify and all good music platforms now today it's just me we're back to basics as i pass the 200th episode of the creative condition podcast momentum is showing no signs of slowing and i wanted to reflect ruminate and explore what creativity means in the 21st century as we approach 2024 with the world in a state of turmoil hello and welcome to the show you can consider this a part two of episode 200 if you like um, and maybe this is 201, I don't know, the numbers all just merge after a while Um, <laughs> but this is about why I'm fighting for creativity because I feel very strongly increasingly strong, about its role in society and its lack of appreciation at a broader scale even now with all these incredible explosions of technology and data and information and just capability of the tools we have, and yet we are still in very much a kind of Victorian educational approach to creativity in many respects, even though there have been improvements. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that today. I'm going to reflect on these 200 episodes in the last seven years of doing this and what I've learned and how my stance and approach to creativity has changed where it's not, where it was always a point of passion for me. Um, Before I get any further, I just wanted to reiterate my thanks for the founding supporters of the show Illustration X. Ooh, tripped over that one. Illustration X. Um, It was Harry Lyon Smith, the MD of the company, who first approached me about the idea of creativity. We'll tell that story in great depth coming up. But I hope you're well. Strap yourself in. It's not going to ramble for too long, but I am going to have a bit more of a long form conversation today. So join me for that. Settle down, get a brew, whatever you need for this one. Um, as you'll know now, if you've listened to this show for any length of time, I am incredibly passionate about creativity, its role in society, in human happiness, in belonging, in our evolution and development and, um, sustainability as a species, because I think it's vitally important. So 200 episodes, that's a lot of content. There wasn't the plan. There wasn't a plan on this. Um, so the, this, the roots of this, I suppose go back to 2013, obviously they go back a lot further than that in terms of human creativity, but the roots of this show in this format in a conversational structured format go back to 2013 when I deviated from my career as an illustrator and a wannabe music art director with quenched music back then. Um, I met a couple of people who were working on behalf of the campaign against living miserably a charity, you'll know as calm who specifically worked to improve male mental health, male mental health, because us guys often have a harder time in expressing our emotions and historic masculinity, I guess, you know, the whole stiff upper lip, boys don't cry. I found that tragic at the time because I was blessed with a network of people who enabled me to be very open and be very vulnerable, from a young age really, and therefore I never really suffered with my mental health. I had creativity, I had my artistic expression, I had this beautiful cause from the moment I walked into art college at the age of 17 but truth be told from much earlier because I benefited from a family who encouraged artistic expression and were just quite open as a family anyway we weren't typically a 1980s Yorkshire family and I don't know if there is such a thing as a typical family back then but culturally there was a real drollness, a dour streak to Yorkshire folk where it was very much, you know, toughen up, get on with it. And I think some of that goes back to adversity in in generations long before me, where it had to be that way, where there had to be resilience. So that became a, a cultural pillar almost. But what that meant is that generation upon generation of people grew up unable to express their emotions, unaware of the utmost importance of doing so to maintain mental balance. And therefore that bled down to my generation and we were, I dare say we were a breakaway generation in that regard because we were the first to benefit from the internet and the broader exchange of information and knowledge about this stuff about well-being about mindfulness and to this day it's met with skepticism by certain you know corners of society i suppose you'll see it online but i was very different in that regard i suppose Do you know just like i said just blessed with an abundance of people and a mother who was very sensitive going back to the first part of this 200th episode Um, with Jen Graneman, an expert in introversion and highly sensitive people. We both grew up, Jen and I are both 40 as we learned as we we talked on the episode and we grew up in um, Jen in Minnesota and I in Yorkshire in the UK. We both grew up in societies that weren't particularly conducive to over sensitivity. You know, it was a case of people are too soft and you need to, uh, get on with it and keep those feelings to yourself. So when I encountered this horrible statistic about male suicides being three to every female suicide, it brought my heart a little bit because I, these thoughts, the, this darkness had never really entered my life, save from the occasional low that we all get and the odd bout of, you know, sensitivity leading me down, um, overthinking paths. So I wanted to do something about that. So I approached Calm with my skill set, and I said, look, if I engineer a campaign with myself and a few other creative professionals to explore the emotional benefits of artistic expression, would you be willing to make that a Calm thing? And they said, yeah, absolutely. Of course. So, uh, of course that's, you know, people like you doing work around this topic and what makes this charity work. So yes, please do it. Put our stamp on it and come back to us with what you've done. So without any budget, without um, any prior journalistic experience, never done a single interview, I went out and I banged on enough doors along with Danny Ellison, Danny Scarrett, who was also now known as Dirty Freud, uh, electronic musician and producer, and Sam Price, who was our designer on the campaign, and along with my now wife, Laura Tallent, then Laura Hawkins. We banged on enough doors to get interviews with Stephen Merchant, Danny Dyer, ex-WWE Champion and Hall of Famer Mick Foley, design legend Ken Garland, musician Caitlin Rose, um, and many other people who were kind enough to give us their time. And it was very much as I suspected it was, in that the people who led with their creativity also benefited from great emotional wealth, much like I did. And it set me on a trajectory of creativity being this beautiful human necessity that we need to use to understand and make sense and co-op in the world around us. And it was beautiful. So that happened in 2013 and what I found was that this tendency to talk, I'm a talker, very much a talker. I have to manage, you know, not rambling too much as you guys will be well aware by now. But here was this thing I was doing naturally. And when I took it into a professional structured forum that was interviewing people for this campaign, I found that there was a very natural conversational, informal style to the way that I interviewed people. And it seemed to me that it put people like Danny Dyer and Stephen Merchant, who were used to being interviewed a lot, it put them at ease because there was something that was very, it was very informal. It was the only way I knew how, because how else could that be without any journalistic training and people opened up to me and I loved that. And I got such a rush of positive energy from these conversations that I wanted to do more of it. Trouble was when the campaign ended, I didn't know how or where, or how, what that might look like. I've always been a curious human and. You know, now as I hit 200 episodes of this podcast and I'm about to launch this book Kickstarter, as you're listening to this episode, it will be live. It feels like the right time to reflect and consider on why I'm fighting for creativity and why I got such a a buzz back then and why I've done it now for 10 years, as we'll get into a bit more how that came about. But one way or another, this book's going to be out in 2024, March is my plan ahead of off festival where I'm going to be interviewing Stefan Sagmeister live in the last slot on the Friday night on the main stage. It's very, very exciting and slightly daunting, but you know, to think it started from a kind of, there's no budget, there's no one else to do the interviews you are going to have to do this because you've got big ideas beyond your station. And now you have landed yourself in a position where these people have said yes to interviews (laughs) and that's what happened. So it was funny, but around that same time, I'd also stepped out of my illustration comfort zone to start writing about the experience off the back of a particularly destructive quiet spell that I had in 2011, if memory serves. I came back from freelancing in New Zealand. And I'd been working for my UK clients and in the space of a month, I lost five out of my six core clients, which left me up shit creek financially. Thankfully, I was living in Manchester with a very limited overheads at the time. We had a 300 quid a month flat. Um, that's myself and Danny Skerritt for anyone who's read Champagne and Wax Crayons, the book that I was writing at that time. And came out in 2015, you'll know him as Dirty Freud. He also provides the music for this show, which I, I adore. And I was able to scratch, beg, steal and borrow to get myself back up to an even keel where I was making an income. But the frustration that was brought about by that quiet spell resulted first as an angry man blog on Tumblr, ranting about the realities of freelancing. (laughs) And eventually it was refined with the uh, diligent help of my editor David Woods-Hale. get it over the line and get a book deal with Lid publishing as champagne and wax crayons riding the madness of the creative industry so that came out in 2015 and i was never afraid to let my creativity lead me and i think that's down to my appreciation and my love of it and just the stories that people would tell about these mazy journeys of creativity whether they were rock stars recounting them on chat shows or autobiographies of people that I found interesting. I wanted that for myself. I didn't want to spread myself so thin that I couldn't make a living or I would be scattered. But I did want to explore and trust my gut instincts when it came to changing direction. And that's what I did, which was why Quench Music happened. Why this Express campaign for Calm happened. And now by this point, 2015, why Champagne and Wax Crayons made me an author. And just like for this podcast, there was no grand vision and to a degree there still isn't, but in, a, in the midst of all of this and across these 200 podcast episodes, I have found my life's calling, which is creativity. So it was initially called Arrest All this podcast. Um, and it happened because after champagne and wax crayons, people started to ask me to write articles for the likes of the Guardian and the times to do the press for the book. And then I started writing for Design Week also, and I approached Harry Lyon Smith, who was the M- well, is the MD of Illustration X, who were my illustration representatives, and I asked Harry if um, there were any more media opportunities through the agency, and he told me no. You know we have this new news website, but we're doing it through the agency staff, and there's not really any journalistic opportunities. But you talk about this stuff a lot. You seem increasingly passionate about creativity. Harry and I, as it turned out, both listened to about twenty podcasts a week. And Harry asked if I thought about podcasting. I hadn't. He said that if I did and I could crack it, they would support my podcast. You know, Illustration X would sponsor whatever this podcast might look like. And it began as a rest mimics. true to form, just like champagne and wax crayons. I couldn't give it a simple, descriptive title because I'm an artistic idiot, <laughs> and I didn't think about functionality. Um, but that's what it was. It was my Arrestal Mimics to me was, you know, let's be original. Let's stop everyone who's mimicking. And, um, it's kind of silly. It kind of worked. People liked it. The, the podcast was at least for someone setting out on this journey, popular. You know, I was getting a few hundred listens a week, which was lovely. It justified me doing it. Illustration X, true to their word, sponsored it across this entire seven years, which I cannot thank them for enough, but here I am now, 2023 going into 2024 and I have a cause, I have a calling, I'm still a full-time illustrator but I'm in love with creativity and that's what I want to do with my life, I want to champion creativity, I want to keep drawing, I want to keep being an illustrator, I want to keep writing, I want to be an author but at the core of all of this I want to make creativity more accessible for more people because it kills me that it's not already the case. Um, I believe that the abundance of resources and evidence to support the need for the teaching of creativity, and yes, you can teach the maximization of it because we all have it, should result in access for all. So self-expression becomes second nature for every young person. You know, healing those who've had a bad start, who haven't had parental guidance, helping those who have, but still don't know where to point their lives because let's face it, which 15 year old does know where to go with their lives. We have to make a few mistakes. We have to make a few missteps and there's way too much pressure on people getting it right first time around. And I think it leads people into mental health difficulties. I think it sets them up for a course, which is wrong for the individual. And I think that education could and should teach more of that. And that's what I want to see happen. I think if this were the case, we'd find quicker, better solutions to all of our collective problems as human beings. I'm by no means a perfect example of anything but, and I think that my story does hold some value as an example of the power of creativity. And that's something I've tried to distill into the creative condition without writing another memoir, which this is not. It's a biography of creativity. You know, my childhood was, was full of scarcity in the best way. I grew up in a family that was relatively poor but with an abundance of love and support and encouragement and permission to be fearless in my curiosity and to uh, to explore and to pursue my deep love of the small things. You know I think back to sitting there slamming two wrestling figures together and being completely mesmerised by what to me was absolute magic in things as simple as the colours of their ring attire, the dynamics of their persona were they a heel which is a baddie in wrestling or a, a babyface which is a good person and a hero in wrestling all of that stuff kept me awake at night and i felt such a deep love of storytelling in that in the spider-man and x-men comics and the batman comics i was reading in the tv shows i used to watch and in the stories i would play out with my brother with these toys that we had now there's a chapter in The Creative Condition book about these conduits of creativity, about the magic that all children feel through these tiny, small worlds that we create to start to understand our real worlds. And I think it's tragic that that's something we leave behind as we get older, when we start to worry about maturity and career trajectory and things that we perhaps, of course we need to worry about in a capitalist system. But we too readily let go of that magic and in this chapter, I tell a story of the Bronte sisters who grew up about 150 years prior to my existence on this planet in Haworth, which is about, I don't know, about four miles up the road from where I grew up, where I spent a lot of my youth up on the moors, you know, that they're famously um, visualized in the beautiful books written by the Bronte sisters, Emily, Anne and Charlotte. And I talk about this story of how the Bronte sisters and Bramwell, their brother, were gifted with a set of toy soldiers by Patrick, the father of the family at the Bronte Parsonage. And this is times where, you know, we're talking about the 1840s here. Disease was rife. People weren't living good, clean lives that we're we're able to access now. So these toys were given to these siblings and these explosions happened, these storytelling explosions, because these toys were conduits for all of the storytelling that these children had been exposed to through the books that Patrick Bronte allowed them to read. Now, culturally, it wasn't common for young girls to be given access to grown up literature. You know, it was a male thing. It's tragic looking back now and I'm so glad we've advanced so much, but Patrick was an anomaly, I believe in that regard, and he allowed them access to this on a daily basis without question and then they were also exposed to the rich storytelling of the people who worked at the Bronte Parsonage so when these toys arrived in their lives they began to weave these rich narratives on paper writing down these stories and verbally and here was the genesis of the the Bronte sisters as the authors that we've come to know and celebrate today And I think that's a beautiful thing. And I experienced that. And I believe that you would have experienced that the listener in some way, shape or form, it could have been anything. It could have been a certain section of some woods you grew up nearby. It could have been a toy. It could have been a book, um, a character that you created as an imaginary friend. There are no limits as to what form that took on. And I just think it's amazing. And I think that our relationships and our place in society are very much informed by our creativity either our access to it and our understanding of it or the lack of. Now, I had the freedom in my life to make mistakes as a young person and work out my world, you know, I got in trouble. Um, I came back late sometimes, but ultimately I wasn't overly punished. And I was shown how to put that in a more positive form, you know, through writing, through drawing, through acting out stories, through, um, playing out with friends through sport, there were so many ways for me to channel this energy that I had as a young person that, although it gave me a bumpy ride at at times going through school, through getting kicked out of classes for talking too much off and not settling in lessons where I couldn't express myself and therefore couldn't engage with the lessons. While all that happened, I ultimately had the tools to express my needs and my desires and for me to find art school, which was imperative, a vehicle and a space in which I could fully start to be myself. And I just think that any young person needs to learn how to self-express in the right way so they can show enough of their truest self to work out their first career steps, their interests, their talents, their weaknesses, their passions. Because when chaos reigns and there's no structure to any of that stuff, And this can happen for many reasons, you know, it usually starts with the home life and family dynamics. So for people who've not had good guidance or have come from disrupted families, there is a lot of chaos in the head. How could there not be? There's no trust of adults. For a big deep dive on that, go back to the episode with BikeStorm's founders, Jake 100 and Mac Ferrari, because those guys have shown exactly what potential that kind of dirty, negative, naughty energy has, if it can be shaped and steered so it's vital that young people can let those raw emotions out in an environment that will harness them and transform them into rocket fuel with the help of caring mentors who can show them the right way to use it but right now it's blatantly not happening look at the mental health crisis look at the youth um trouble statistics out there the the cuts to youth budgets I've, i've gone on about this a lot on this podcast and i will continue to do so because it's really important but the arts Thanks to the age old distrust of the unknown are once again, marginalized and punished in academia and in the UK, we are in the midst of a major mental health crisis and it's only going to get worse. It's down to a number of factors, but creativity can play a huge part in mitigating and turning the tide on that. I have no doubt if I've come to learn anything in my lifetime, it's that it really must be at the root of the solution to those problems. And here we are at the same time, we have ready free access to infinite amounts of good content around psychology, well-being, mindfulness, and all aspects of the human condition. You go on whatever your chosen podcast platform is now, and think of an issue that you've got an interest in, whether it's, um, you know, trans issues, or um, anxiety, or ADHD, or, you know, psychology, I've been doing an episode coming up on the gut microbiome, you will be able to type that in and find an abundance of resources from trusted people on that. And that is an incredible benefit of being alive today. Um, So there is work to be done when it comes to bridging the gap, I think, between the people who are doing this amazing work and the people who are not receiving it. It needs to reach more people. And that's what I want to do with this vehicle, the creative condition, this podcast and the upcoming book. So it's a big part of the reason I dedicate so much of my time to the cause of creativity is to address that. My kids are going to grow up in in a world where they are on the internet from an early age and on social media from an early age, far earlier than you and I, if you grew up in the eighties and the nineties, or even the early two thousands, maybe. They're going to need a strong sense of inner authority. They're going to need trusted self identity to navigate that landscape because it's full of treacherous and dangerous fronting, false personas of what success looks like, immediate access to traumatizing news stories and all kinds of harmful content. It's not to say there's not loads of good stuff. I mean, I just talked about that. There is, but creativity is going to be the compass as to how they map out who they are Learn how to trust it and to confront these information highways without catastrophic damage. So when they start school next year in 2024, I'm going to be a right pain in the ass for the school because I want to know that the right values are being taught. I want to know that despite the curriculum, the heads of the school have got individuality, creativity, and self-expression at the core of what they're teaching and. You know, we had an open day at one of the primary schools recently, and it was very much at the heart of that. That was very encouraging to me that people were fighting the government decree to tick the boxes for Ofsted and everything else, but then to go, we've done that now, so fuck off and let us go and teach these kids how to be stable human beings who can fend for themselves in a confusing world. You know? if you go back to episode 179 of this podcast, I talked to Professor Anna Abraham, who's a neuroscientist and a psychologist specializing in creativity. And Anna is truly wonderful, a real force of nature. And she, when I asked her what her ambitions were for creativity, said that she wanted to see the advent of what happened in the 1980s when physical fit- fitness became something that everyone realized that they could do, that they had access and autonomy within. She wants to see that for creativity and so do I. And I think that's very exciting because there's a growing number of people doing great work around this topic and I'm just one, but I believe in it. And this is just the start of the work that I'm trying to do. So I guess here at the episode 200 of this podcast, you might be asking why another book? Well, 200 podcasts and 10 years of active research plus 35 or so years of unconscious observation, isn't digestible to anyone, but me. You can't just jump in and and make sense of all that. So I wanted to distill everything that I've learned that makes me feel so strongly about creativity into a format that someone else could use as a cheat code for all those tricky early levels in terms of understanding your own creativity and what human creativity is. I started to write it in 2017, believe it or not. Um, I remember having a ramble to Joanna Henley, who you might know as misled. (laughs) Um, <laughs> about this in a pub one night in London. And I didn't know what this book was going to look like. I knew the core themes I wanted to address. I had the very germ of the idea and poor Joe had to suffer a boozy rant about what it might be, but I didn't know. So I got halfway through a manuscript and I sacked it off because it was trying too hard to be what Champagne and Wax Crayons was, which was a memoir of my own experiences. And there is a lot of that in this book. But ultimately it's backed up by many, many other accounts of creativity and the science as well. So I scrapped it and I left it alone and what I've come to realize now was that I needed to live five more years of life and studying of creativity to get somewhere close to a level of understanding of creativity to write its biography. That was the truth and it was amazing because. I've since done interviews with neuroscientists, with sensitivity experts, with nutritionists, with rock stars, with ex-convicts, with theater people, with Olympic gold medal winners, with firefighters, designers, artists, illustrators, elite level cyclists, um, motorbike riders, curators, you name it. I've done interviews with them all and they've all happened since I started trying to write that book and it's felt like an apprenticeship. And that's very much what it's been like for me. And there's a chapter in the creative condition on the unconscious, quite a big chapter. And this is what happened. I was washing up at the sink Christmas 2021 coming into 2022 and BAM! The book just leapt out of my subconscious in a blank moment and announced itself as ready. That might sound simplified, but that's exactly what happened. So I sat down to write in January and the thing hasn't stopped flowing since for nearly two years now. Uh, And there has been such flow to it. Flow is something that there's also a chapter on in this book and it's been mesmerizing to watch it unfold and literally I have been watching it. I'm a conduit for this. So whether you believe in, you know, the universe and that we're uh, tuned into something that's bigger than us, I'm not so much talking in a spiritual God sense here because I'm not religious. I'm talking about uh, electrons and about on a physiological level, we are you can feel it in your instincts. We are a part of something bigger and I certainly believe that's the case with this work on creativity. I'm not saying it makes me in any way important because it really doesn't. Quite the opposite actually. It makes me a tool for something that I believe is outside of me and I believe that humanity in this world needs to get over it, to solve its problems which is creativity. And I felt such a serendipity and and a flow when I was writing this book that was incredible. These people and the circumstances in my life would keep coming in front of me that would just give me another reason to write about creativity, another angle, another expert, another helping hand along the way. And it was just an amazing feeling. So call it the universe, call it purpose, call it the right direction, call it, you know, coincidence, whatever. It was hard to ignore its presence. And here we are today with a finished manuscript of the creative condition in my hand. You know, back in 2013, when I conducted those early interviews for Calm. I had only this vague sense of my creativity and and human creativity at large. And yet deep down, without knowing what I was doing on a conscious level, I'd begun my conscious exploration of creativity. So it's very exciting for me now, a decade later, with what began as something quite heavily aimed at designers and illustrators, this podcast, while still very much for those guys, I know you're a big part of my core audience and I'm still one of you because I'm an illustrator, it's become an altogether bigger beast because this is a thematic take on creativity. You know, it's something every single one of us has that differentiates us from the animal kingdom. Um, it's not practical tips for better earnings or job applications. If that's something that it helps you with, then I'm delighted. Brilliant. I needed to help me with that because I'm skin. (laughs) But it's an attempt for bring great understanding and embracing of creativity in all it's unpredictable glory to more people, you know, I want more logic. I want more, I want people to, be able to pick it up and play, you know what I mean? That's, that's the plan for this book. So while creativity cannot be controlled and it will always change, we can certainly lean into it and learn its ways. That's what I've come to realize. And that's what I've helped the examples of all these people that I've been interviewing and talking to. I've been using their examples to flesh out my own and to create this storytelling vehicle, this book that I hope will make sense in a very understandable, digestible way that will help people better understand and better take control of their own creativity. So that's what the Creative Condition book is and that's what this vehicle is with this podcast involved. You know, Champagne and Wax Crayons, my first book started to approach some of the ideas within this book. But that was a memoir, a black comedy account, like a watts and all account of what building a career with creativity is like. So there's been a nine year gap between the two and that was essential. It took that long to learn enough about creativity to dare to tackle the topic as a whole. And it's not a book presented as scientific facts. There's plenty of undeniable truths in it, I think. There has to be. I wouldn't have written it otherwise. But it is the passing on of a lifetime of curiosity about the human condition. Creativity is the particular part of what we are as human beings that I've dedicated my years to. Some bits of it will resonate more than others to each reader, but I think that on some level it will speak to all of us enough to justify its existence. So now the question is, you know, as I launch this Kickstarter, why am I going independent and why do I need your help? If you believe in creativity for social good and well-being, then I hope you'll help me out by pledging. That's the bottom line because you know, by getting your copy of the book, you're helping to bring it into existence and now's your chance to get it. And if you do so, there's a reward tier for everyone. For those who just want to help a little, you can chuck in a fiver, you can get the ebook for a tenner, you can get the paperback, 25 quid. Um, and then there's something for those who maybe a little better off and want something with a little more, you know, prestige or a little more, not prestige. They want something more premium. I think that's what you've got to do with a Kickstarter. So I've created these unique 3d printed skulls, which I've painted and customized. or there's an in-person lecture that will come and give at your business. called I can't draw to save my life. Or I'll work with you to create a custom talk that works for you and your employees that will help people, you know, better attune to their creativity. So every person who backs the campaign will get a credit in the book itself for helping me overcome the rough upfront costs of publishing independently, you know, because champagne and wax crayons, while it had many benefits of being published traditionally by LID, there were also a lot of drawbacks. Um, and I believe that by doing it this way, doing it independently with this model, it will enable me to reach more people, to take what I've learned out on the road to reach as many people as possible. You know, everyone from big corporations down to youth centers and prisons and, um, schools with a lot of disadvantaged students. That's the dream. I want everyone to tap into this. I want everyone to believe in creativity and use it as an equalizer in our society to take things forward and to get past this horrible divide that we find ourselves through fucking party politics and, and conscious divide and conquer to stay in office i think it's criminal and i think that that's the reason that these bastards demonize and diminish creativity's worth and kick it out of the education system i do believe that so hopefully if i can get you guys to support me and get this book funded it will start and put in motion something that's gonna just keep moving that's what i want to change the general misconception that to be creative, you need to have an obvious artistic gift because you don't. Everyone is creative. It's a human state of being. That's what we are. Um, anyway, any sharing of this campaign verbally online or however else is incredibly important. And please, 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 please. I ask you to do that. And I thank you so much. If you can do that, it's imperative for its success. And I hope you'll join me in making this happen because if you've encountered my work in any way shape or form over the last 10 years around creativity you'll know how much this means to me and how genuine I am about this and how it's become this life cause and this isn't just a a cash grab you know by the nature of Kickstarter it's an exchange of goods and services so you are getting your copy, your name as a credit in the book upfront and personal by helping make it so Um, I think the cause of creativity is intensely communal and it relies on human interaction it's one of the most beautiful things about it so to wrap up this will run from the 24th of October today if you're listening on the day of release up until the 4th of December and then it will be on to press publication and launch events which is all very thrilling but again if you're listening to this thing far into the future long after the kickstarter these, this passionate ramble remains the same it is my life cause. I want to support creativity and get it out to everyone because I think it's going to be historically, creative, and I write about this in the book, historically creativity has been the reason for the sustained survival of humankind. That's not an overstatement. Creativity enabled us to make clothes, to thwart predators, to stay warm, to put roofs over our head, to defeat illness, sickness, and to create a world in which humanity could thrive and explode in its population. And now we stand on the precipice of the climate crisis. We are once again threatened. And I am a big believer that creativity must be at the heart of the solution, using technology and warmth and empathy and rebuilding our bridge with nature. It's not an overstatement. Same with the mental health crisis in the UK right now, and wherever else in the world it's going on, same with hunger you know you name it creativity must be at the core of its solution so i cannot state the cause any bigger than that so have a great week guys thank you for listening please don't miss the episode with jen and the 200th special i am so proud of that episode just because i was so happy to get jen i read her brilliant book sensitive the power of a thoughtful mind in an overwhelming world it blew my mind I thought it was a long shot getting her on the show. She said, yes, almost immediately I was made up and there we had that chat and also check out episode 199 with Stefan Sagmeister for a timely shot in the arm, a boost in positivity because Stefan tells us why now is the best time to be alive in human history. It's a great tonic for all the detritus the and the toxicity of social media and the 24 hour news cycles. Um, I am going to be interviewing Stefan, like I mentioned earlier, live at OFF Festival. We're going on last on the Friday. That's pressure, (laughs) but we did it once on this podcast. It went very well, and I'm sure it can go even better at OFF Festival. So I hope you're going to go because OFF is just an amazing collective energy. So thank you guys for listening. Thank you for everyone who's contributed to this podcast in its seven years of existence. Thank you to everyone who's been a part of my own creative journey. Um, and help me get this book over the line. Please do head to the Kickstarter, Kickstarter now. Go to my LinkedIn, go to my Instagram and you'll find the links. Um, I'm going to have about 35 days to make it reality and I hope it will confirm the publication of the Creative Condition book. And if not, if you can't afford to contribute, that's fine too. Spread the word. Don't cost <laughs> Cheers guys. Take care. Stay creative.